you've survived another week. Thank you for listening, downloading, and subscribing to the Urban Shooter Podcast. Welcome to the Urban Shooter Podcast, the weekly show for law-abiding, fun-loving gun owners of the city. And here's your host, Ken Blanchard. This week on episode number 67, we're going to be talking about holsters, concealed carry, and a little inspiration. This show has been sponsored and supported by the unabashed, unapologetic, unstoppable patriots of the Urban Shooter Association. Inquiring minds want to know how do you carry your firearm securely, safely, undercover? Do you use a Bianchi, a Comtech, a Delfati leather, DeSantis holster, DMB holster, Fist, Phobus, Garrity's gun leather, HBE specialty leatherworks, a Heine, Milt Sparks, Side Armor, Smart Carry, Tac Pro, Tucker gun leather, Uncle Mike's, Galco. What's your brand? Do you sport a holster, a slide, fanny pack, a purse, carry on a belt? Do you have the in the waistband, outside the waistband, shoulder holster, small of the back, thigh, ankle rig, pocket, on your body, behind your neck, or something totally ingenious? Are you using Kydex, leather, Kydex and leather, nylon, or carbon fiber. Inquiring minds want to know, how are you carrying concealed? Are you sporting thunderwear? How are you packing heat? Inquiring minds want to know, send me your response to blackmanwithagun at gmail.com. Hi, this is Ken Blanchard, the host of Urban Shooter Podcast. And this week, we're going to talk about carrying concealed and holsters and if I can remember all the fine points of a story I'm going to relate something that happened to you in my life in truth as I thought about all the different types of holsters and the boxes and the brands and the names I wonder if I'm alone if I'm the only one who has more than one type of holster I'd love for you to tell me what you're carrying and how you carry or if you're new to this whole thing and you've never carried concealed legally. You want to. I want to hear about that too. The conversation that we have together will help with the uh, future shows, actually. I'll know from your questions and your comments of what was helpful, what you have questions on, and we can expound on that. I got a new microphone, a new boom arm, and a new microphone amplifier, so my little makeshift studio is growing. I plan to make this a profession, actually. So you, part of my listening audience, part of my growing audience, is helping me get better. It takes some practice. It takes time to figure out the timing and the audio and the engineering part of it. It takes time to learn rhythm. It takes time to learn how to produce and 
plan a good show. And with your help, we're going to get it done. Again, I want to thank Mark Vandenberg of the Gun Rights Advocates podcast for once again inspiring me and giving me a reason to do something. I was talking to him and Mick McArt and his beautiful wife, Erica, um, this last past week. And both of them unknowingly reminded me of something that I forget one too many times. Each one of us is unique. And I'm going to try to throw a little bit of inspiration in this message before I let you go. You know, as a podcaster, as a broadcaster, as a person that is trying to get their words out, out into the public, sometimes we do flub a word. Sometimes we do um, come short of what we attempted to do. But this is a great medium for a person like me who would love to have a fireside chat with you, would love to have you sing around a campfire, would love to just be in your company. So I get a chance to talk to you one-on-one, whether you are traveling to work, whether you are on the subway, the metro bus, or however you roll, about gun rights and those who live in the city. You know, as time goes on, and I think about how gun rights are abused, used, and confused. It's nice to know that there are people who are trying to do the very same thing I am. They are trying to get the word out. They're trying to educate. They're trying to let you know what's going on in the world. And in our world, there is a fear of firearms. There is a fear of those who have firearms. And if you live in or near a city, You get no love. Now for my fellow podcasters out there who are approaching burnout and get tired sometimes. It's hard hard to talk into a microphone. It's hard to talk to no one, to see no one. And you really look for email. You really look for audio comments, which you too can send me if you feel in the mood to talk you can call me directly on my toll free number at 888-772-6262 and leave your comment and we can play it on the air or it can just be for my ears only or you can send me an email at blackmanwithagun at gmail.com that's important for a podcaster you need feedback no man is an island nor a woman And if you know you're doing something that you're trying to help somebody else, it's really nice to know that somebody else is listening. So that one or two percent that reach out to us and tell us, hey, brother, I heard you. You made me laugh or cut that stuff out. I hate that part of it. Even the negatives are good sometimes. Believe it or not, because at least, you know, you're not in a bucket. You're not talking to the corner. Now, as for me, I'm in the basement of a small room that I got isolated and I'm making into a studio. But I'm right now I'm pretty close to that guy on Hustle and Flow. Um, I don't have the egg cartons on the wall yet, but I'm working on it. I think I'm going to use some old uh, foam padding and see if that works. But I'm going to make this a studio. Someday I'll be like Imus or uh, the Avenger or one of those guys that are uh, talking heads. And I'll get a camera in here one day and we'll do some audio. 
I said all that to say, thank you for listening. Thank you for inspiring. You know, every one of us, whether you be the militant marksman out of Chicago, um, the gun rights advocate out of Indiana, Mick in Detroit or in Michigan, covering a different part of the world, even Girl 600, you have a different flavor, a different personality. And in this world, sometimes between the rising gas prices, the job that just doesn't seem right, marriage woes, the honey-do list, the take-home pay that doesn't take you home anymore, rising food, credit card debt, the issues you might have in your church or synagogue or relationship with the Father in Heaven that you have problems with, all of that stuff can weigh on you. And sometimes you just need somebody to say, it's okay. It's going to be okay. This too shall pass. And it's all right to be tired. It's all right to be beat up because we are in a push-push world. I mean, nobody allows you to take a break. And see, even if you are self-governed, if you are a hobbyist, if you are a podcaster that says, I'm going to make the best show I can do, and I can't leave out the SHOT Show, which I just got turned on to by uh, Mark. Excellent show, Doc. I really appreciate you. I even I even think uh, you're taking the best of what we've done and you're making it like a lot smoother. So that's that's really cool. And uh, if I'm taking credit for your work, then forgive me. But I just thought uh, a few things sounded familiar. And since imitation is a great form of flattery, I hope that you. And you, the next podcasters out there, I know Gail's working on something. It'll be even better. And I'm saying this to all those us, Mick and Mark, that are out there that are doing it. You don't have to innovate yourself out of a out of a job. Just do what you do, man. One thing that Mick really made me feel good, he said, I'm doing this for me. Comfort for me. And I can forget, you can forget that you can, you can, sometimes you can get so caught up and you're trying to do the very best you can that you cancel yourself out. You figure you're not doing as good as this guy or not good at doing as good as this show. And before you know it, you're chasing your own tail and you're feeling sad and that's not the way to go. I have realized that if I only get 500 listeners, That's 500 people that I'm talking to on a weekly basis, and I'm going to be happy about it. My goal is to get 50,000 listeners and take this thing up about 10 notches to the point where it's self-supporting. And then we can make a fuss. We can be like Glenn Beck or one of those, you know, talking heads that you're used to seeing. But I'll be the regular guy. Same audacious, crazy African-American shooter, but I'll be your crazy African-American shooter friend. Reporting live, reporting what's truthful, reporting what I see. From an urban perspective, not a black perspective, but those who live in the city or around the city. Don't get the urban and the black mixed up. Again, we do have some race issues. And we'll fix all those eventually. I'm still looking for a Star Trek world. That's my goal. But until we get there, 
I'll need more brothers and sisters like you who are not afraid to talk to a black man with a gun. And that's the reality of this whole thing. I've carried concealed around the world in about 13 countries. I've carried in the small of my back. I've carried in my sock. I've carried in fanny packs. I've carried in clothing made just to carry firearms and to conceal them. And if I had a choice, which I usually do from when I was in uniform, I prefer to carry concealed. Now, I know there is a big group, OpenCarry.org, for example, that like to exercise their right to keep and bear arms by openly carrying concealed. But I have to disagree with them because depending on your race, depending on your appearance, carrying openly distracts and makes your right to keep and bear arms almost negligible. You are unable to function as a citizen. You're a pariah, uh, an evil being, and you'll be challenged and not allowed to live free. My case in point is a young man out of Norfolk, Virginia, Virginia Beach, who was wearing a black man with a gun hat and carrying openly. Now, for some people, you would say he was asking for trouble. But in this society, in an urban environment, when you have a choice, when you are around people who do not understand their rights, who do not understand that an armed citizen can help them as well, you're going to lose points. You're going to negate the power you have because you're going to be bothered by law enforcement, reported to security, followed around a store or an establishment, and your usefulness may only stop a robbery in progress or escalate the whole issue where you get attacked and allow the bad guy to get away. I'm not an advocate of open carry. Once it's out, you should be blasting. Otherwise, nobody should see it. It's kind of like a prophylactic. You don't want to wear it on the outside unless you're doing something. Now, I invite all those brothers and sisters of open carry who have a difference of opinion to let's talk about it. You can reach me at blackmanwithagun at gmail.com. And I'm not putting you down. I'm just saying it's not fair. I know I was with a guy in McLean, Virginia, part of the uh, Virginia Citizens Defense League, who was shopping in Safeway. And he was carrying openly. And everybody was watching him. And he had his um, his Glock displayed and everything was nice and when he left everybody was buzzing with questions well they wondered if he was a police officer and that was only because he was a Caucasian male with a gray beard 
I know for a fact that I would be challenged if I did the same thing. Life is not fair. Our world is not fair. And in an urban environment, that wouldn't go over too good. I'm an advocate of concealed carry. I long for the day when all our cities, Chicago, Detroit, New York City, New Jersey, Washington, D.C., and Maryland get with the program, like in Florida, like in Vermont, like in Indiana, and the majority of the states that allow for concealed carry of a handgun of their citizens, their law-abiding citizens. One day, we shall be free. Black Man with a Gun by Ken Blanchard is a 148-page book with pictures showing the right way and wrong way to do things, different guns and techniques, and a great primer for new shooters, an icebreaker for the experienced shooter, and a tool for the activist. Black Man with a Gun is a book that easily explains and inspires with the humor of the most audacious African-American in support of the right to keep and bear arms, Ken Blanchard. Ken Blanchard is a former U.S. Marine, federal firearms instructor, private investigator, counter-terrorist, public speaker, and web personality. Ken has been featured in two documentaries, Fox News, the BBC, the Washington Business Journal, Washington Times, Wall Street Journal, and now with his new podcast, The Urban Shooter on iTunes. In the book, you'll find a letter to my sisters, buying a firearm, the racist roots of gun control, the NRA, your rights, the police, religion, and guns. Get your autographed copy today by visiting blackmanwithagun.com or by calling 888-772-6262. Get your copy now. Hey, Ted, welcome to the Urban Shooter Podcast. Hey, Ken. Thanks for having LEA on again. It's always a pleasure to, uh, to talk to you. Man, we're talking about concealed carry. What's your thoughts on just carrying concealed nowadays? Well, concealed carry is an issue that's very near and dear to my heart personally. It's an issue that I've been involved with uh, for over 20 years now. Um, I do teaching on the side for classes for people that want to do CCW, and I've been involved in the legislative fight uh, to pass concealed carry legislation in a number of states. And uh, from within the LEAA perspective, it's nice to go out and argue from the law enforcement perspective why concealed carry is such a good idea to give people a choice. Uh, but I think concealed carry is a wonderful uh, change in the law, uh, as as people know, back about 20 years ago, there was a grassroots movement pretty much started by a lady named Marion Hammer down in Florida uh, to start changing state statutes to make it so that your, quote, average, close quote, person um, could uh, fill out paperwork and get their ticket punched so they could carry a concealed firearm. Now, carrying concealed firearms is a very personal uh, choice. It has a lot of impact in your clothing style, uh, how you uh, behave, where you go, who you socialize with, and uh, and it can become quite the habit if, as far as taking training and buying gear and uh, 
Uh, it can become all-consuming, or it can be as simple as, uh, you know, just dropping a little 38 air weight in your pocket, and for all intents and purposes, almost forgetting that you have it. So there's kind of it kind of runs the whole gamut there, from the serious hardcore folks to the people who carry uh, kind of casually or only when they uh, when they think they're going to need it. Uh, I don't know what they do when how you always figure out if you think you're going to need it. Well, I wouldn't go wherever it was that I thought I needed it. But anyhow, uh, I come down the side of the camp that says that an average person uh, with a very brief period of training can be taught to be safe with a gun if they are already a law-abiding person who, who, who can keep their head out of their butt. Um, they can make good decisions, and honest citizens can be trusted uh, with that tool to defend themselves. We, we trust honest citizens with cars. We trust honest citizens with all sorts of things that can wreak havoc, including computers and <laughs> everything else. And uh, we should trust honest citizens if they want to make the choice to carry a handgun. And right now in the country, nobody knows for sure, but there's probably, give or take, about 3 million um, civilians who have permits to carry concealed. And I personally believe that makes America safer. What's um a good carry gun to you? Well, to me, and when I teach, I teach that the gun that's a good carry gun for you is a gun that you feel comfortable with. I've known an awful lot of people on all different kinds of scales of proficiency with guns who will carry a, a 38 Snubby uh, revolver because it's easy to carry, but they know they don't shoot it well. It's not pleasant for them to shoot, and they don't practice with it. Uh, I've seen people uh, go the other way and want to carry a full-sized uh, Colt 45 or a clone, uh, and the fact of the matter is it's so big and so heavy and so hard for them to conceal because uh, they don't make choices and changes uh, that it doesn't work for them and they stop carrying it all together. So from my perspective, it's the uh, biggest, best gun that you personally feel comfortable with that you would be willing to carry. And what I mean by that is the best gun in the world, if it's not on you, not available within a couple of seconds uh, from the time you sense danger, is pretty much useless. Now, there are circumstances where you'll have more than two or three seconds to deploy the gun, but in an awful lot of street-type situations, uh, you need to be able to deploy your gun well faster than three seconds if you hope to be able to manage a rapidly uh, devolving situation. So I say the biggest gun that you're comfortable carrying and that you feel comfortable with, and from what I mean by comfortable with is imagine the worst-case scenario. Imagine that you were in a, um, a stop-and-rob putting gas in your car and imagine there was a bad guy that you had to shoot. Ask yourself, you know, would I be comfortable with this gun actually betting my life or a loved one's life on my proficiency with this gun? If it's a gun that I don't feel comfortable with, a gun I can't shoot accurately, a gun I don't want to take to the range and practice with, then it's probably not a gun that you should bet your life on or bet your loved one's life on. All right. Kydex, leather, nylon. 
like so many questions, these are these are really great personal questions, and you can sit around a table and argue all night long about uh, what type of holster device is the best type. From my perspective, it's actually pretty simple. It's a, it's a device that holds the gun securely so that during the period of times that you don't need it, it doesn't fall out. It's a gun that release a holster that releases the gun smoothly and efficiently when you do need it. So in other words, you want the holster to be of such a device that it holds the gun securely on your body or wherever it is. You want to hold the gun firmly so the gun doesn't fall out if you should take a spill or get knocked down on the ground early in the scuffle. And yet you want a device that's going to release the gun quickly into your firing hand and give you that smooth release of that gun so that you can bring it up as part of your smooth presentation of the gun towards the threat. So it almost doesn't matter which product you go with as much as that you test the, the, the holster as part of your system. And what I mean by that is if you're carrying a belt-style holster, small the back holster, shoulder holster, whatever, it's really part of a whole system. There's a strap that holds it. Uh, on your body or in place, you need to be able to make sure that holster is not going to move around too much so that when you go to reach for it, the gun is actually where you remember it being during your training, that it'll release the gun to your hand smoothly and cleanly so you don't have to have complex fine motor skills. Last thing you want to be doing is fighting with your holster to get your gun out, and you want the gun to come out smoothly, uh, so you can present it towards the target. I know I have actually seen people with uh, custom horse hide holsters, for example, that are wonderful, but if you don't realize that that's holding your gun with a lot more friction, I've actually seen somebody pull the gun uh, 90% out of that kind of holster, start to extend their arm towards the threat, and the front side of the gun catches on the inside of the holster and actually peels the gun right out of the shooter's hand. Um, because the, your hand is actually kind of weak that way uh, by, the, by your thumb. And so you certainly want a holster that's going to let you get the gun out and get it cleanly. But I would say almost more important to the question of Kydex or uh, one of the other uh, Space Age material holsters is the belt that it's on or where it is. Because at the end of the day, if you're carrying around a couple pounds of gun, uh, spare magazine, maybe a flashlight, yeah, that's a lot of weight. It's a lot of weight to carry every day, and you need a system that's going to distribute that weight and hold that gun secure, whether you're jumping up and down or if it's the end of a long day and you're standing in line at the ATM machine. So it's to, to my way of thinking, it's uh, function first and foremost. Does it do the job you need to do? And is it a part of, and then look at it from a part of a systems perspective. Is your holster big enough, heavy enough? Is it is it fitted on a belt that's big enough, heavy enough to do the job of distributing that weight, you know, all day long or whatever your scenario is, and letting the gun go when you want it to come into your hand so you can deploy it. So from my perspective, I've always liked leather, but with all the new choices that have come out with the lesser expensive holsters uh, that are impervious to moisture that, uh, you know, help conceal the gun. Some of the minimalistic plastic-style holsters uh, really do a lot to keep the gun's profile down so you're not what's called printing, which is making the gun clearly visible through your cover garment. Um, right now I'm carrying a Galco 
uh, a plastic belt holster, and I'm delighted with his performance. How about the uh, fanny pack or shoulder holster or ankle rig? How about that fancy stuff? Anything other than in the waistband? I think for most folks who carry a, a concealed handgun, having at least a couple of choices uh, does lend some flexibility to what you're doing. If you're taking your kids to a park uh, where you're going to be sitting down a lot, a fanny pack makes a great alternative means of carry. Not only does it give you a place to put your camera and your cell phone so that you can keep your hands free if you're wearing a pair of shorts, for example, it does keep the gun ready uh, from a seated position. It's fairly easy to draw the gun out of a fanny pack holster where a uh, small of the back holster or a strong side belt holster might be harder to get the gun out if you're seated in a, in a, in a seat or a ride or something like that. The downside of changing from one carry system to the other is obviously you have to practice enough with whichever both means that you're carrying so that in the moment of crisis, you can present the gun uh, efficiently, quickly, safely towards the target. If you, if you, today you're carrying a strong side belt scabbard, tomorrow it's an ankle rig, the next day it's a shoulder rig with the muzzle pointed you know, backwards underneath your armpit, you know, you got some problems there because you're not going to be able to be proficient enough with all those different systems to deploy the gun smoothly, efficiently, and safely. And in the case of the shoulder holster, the Miami Vice style shoulder holster, I guess I'm dating myself there, Miami Vice. No, but, man. Uh, a horizontal shoulder holster where the muzzle's pointed straight back underneath your armpit, uh, you know, your gun is pointed someplace that uh, you don't control, and if you're uh, on a shooting line or whatever, you'll make people very uncomfortable with it. So I think having a good primary system and having a good alternate system, depending on what you're doing, and each of them have a strength. For example, an ankle rig, usually you carry your ankle rig on the opposite side of your body. So if you're right-handed, you would carry the ankle rig on your left ankle on the inside so that your firing hand comes down across the point of your body and reaches down to the inside of your left ankle to draw the gun out. Well, that works really well if you are seated in a restaurant uh, if you're seated in a big vehicle, a Suburban, uh, you can get access to your ankle rig uh, very quickly from those positions. However, it doesn't work worth a tinker's dam if you're sitting inside of a small Ford Mustang or a Honda Accord or uh, sitting on a bar stool with your feet off the floor. The advantages that the ankle rig would have in the restaurant chair or in the library chair or in the seat of a big suburban goes away when you're sitting on a stool or if you're sitting in a small vehicle. So you have to actually look at the individual circumstances that the shooter or gun carrier is going to be in, and then you have to test it. Whatever choices the shooter makes, they need to take that package, go out, and actually test it. Is it working? Does it allow me access to the gun? the way I want it to. And and when you do that, what you'll find at the end of a few years is you're going to have a box full of holsters. And I'm sure you do. I know I do. Everybody I know who's done this does. You'll end up having purchased a number of different systems to have tested them and tried them. And then you'll have, when you're all done, a couple that work reasonably well for most of your situations. Off-body carry 
uh, has a lot of advantages to it. Carrying a gun in a, in a, in a fake handbag or a briefcase type container has a lot of advantages to it, but has a lot of disadvantages. You can leave the darn thing where you don't intend to. Uh, un, unauthorized fingers can get access to the gun. But at the same time, a fanny pack can have its own disadvantages. If, if you carry one, uh, for example, the Galco company made an excellent one, but they have a huge defect in their product. If you take that particular holster and you open that fanny pack, it has a pull cord uh, that allows you to take your non-firing hand and, and yank the thing open so you have clear, unfettered access to your gun. If you do that when you're scared and you have an adrenaline rush, you'll actually rip uh, the zipper right out of the bottom of the holster. And even though Galco's been advised of that problem, uh, the, that company refuses to add a little extra stitching to make that holster uh, secure. So if you go out and you buy that holster for 60 or 70 or $80, it literally becomes a one-time-use holster because the first time you rip that puppy open when you're scared, uh, the holster will tear and you have to go buy a new one. Now, there are people out there who will say, well, if I'm that scared that I have the adrenaline dump, uh, then I don't mind if I rip the face off, off my holster. Well, that might be true. But if you're going to train with that thing, and God forbid you ever are scared when you go to open it, uh, for fanny packs, and I was uh, just pointing out the defect that you can find in a system like fanny packs, even when you go with... Uh, what's supposed to be a good company, like Galco's fanny pack. for Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. You don't, you don't put a little box stitching on the bottom, and, it, and you open that bad boy when you're scared. You can rip it right out. You have out. a one-time-use holster, and you have to go spend another 70 or 100 bucks to replace it. And that's not, in my opinion, good, good efficient system. Yeah. And, and final thoughts, open carry versus concealed. Well, before we get into that, I, I think I would share with the listening audience the most important accessory for anybody who's going to carry, whether they carry open carry or carry concealed, is a good lawyer's business card in your wallet uh, and a copy of it at home at your house so that, God forbid, if you ever do get in a situation where you find yourself in a lethal force situation, uh, you have the ability of having the shield of a good attorney to use as soon as um, the smoke clears from the shooting. Because I know an awful lot of people, an awful lot of classes that I've been involved in, people will spend a lot of time thinking about their gear and how they're going to carry it, but they won't spend even one second thinking about how they're going to survive in the post-shooting world. So uh, I would make the suggestion with all seriousness and uh, as strongly as I can, if a person's going to carry a gun and be part of the forces of good and justice and what makes America great, then sadly, you better have a lawyer's business card in your pocket uh, so that you can defend yourself and keep your assets and protect your family uh, from what's going to follow after you survive the shootout. First thing is survive the shootout. Second thing is survive what's going to come next. And the lawyer's uh, card, having found a good attorney ahead of time and had a relationship with them ahead of time, is absolutely essential. And this is a Talk criminal lawyer, right? Absolutely. A good criminal lawyer who's experienced in dealing with these kind of matters. 
and there's not a lot of them in the country, and you have to shop and have to put a little a little legwork into it. But every state has a handful of good, solid criminal defense lawyers who, uh, if you need them, you'll pay for them, but if you need them, they'll be there to protect you from a system that is uh, going to be basically hostile towards you and towards your use of force. Uh, and you need to survive that encounter just as much as you need to survive the first encounter with the bad guy. So I cannot overemphasize that enough. Man, that's some good. That's some good stuff right there. I'm gonna try find some lawyers. I'll be if I can get them to post up some uh, addresses across the country here. Absolutely. Well, there's a lawyer referral service that NRA has that you can call them, and they can refer you to some lawyers. Uh, you and I both know in the Northern Virginia metropolitan Washington D.C. area. In my opinion, there's only one attorney's card to have in your pocket, and that's Richard E. Gardner. Gardner G-A-R-D-I-N-E-R. And he is the lawyer's card that I have in my pocket. And uh, every time I teach a class, I love to ask the people in the class, you know, everybody raise your hand if you spend more than $1,000 on guns. You know, they raise their hand. Uh, raise your hand, everybody who's been to some kind of shooting class sometime in the past, they raise their hand. How many of you carry one flashlight, two flashlights? How many of you spend all this time and effort and shoot more than a hundred dollars worth of and everybody's raising their hand, they're all kinds of gearheads, they all love what they're doing and they're all into it. And then you go, Okay, how many of you all have spare magazines? They all raise their hands. You go, Okay, how many of you all have lawyer cards? And the room is dead silent and not a hand goes up. You look around the room with twenty or fifty people and these are guys with some carrying guns for half their life and you realize that they never spent one second thinking about surviving after the fact. Wow. And you go, that's flat stupid. In our world, with litigation being what it is and hostile criminal review, there's just no excuse for that. Our sides should be smarter. Uh, we should we should be honest about it, and we should tell our people, the people who, uh, the good people of America, that if you do exercise your right to self-defense, there is going to be somebody looking at your conduct with a microscope, and you better damn well have a lawyer, or you're not going to be well-equipped for that particular exchange. Uh, and that's just a fact of life. If a cop gets involved in the shooting, most police organizations in the country provide that officer with an attorney to help them through the process. Why should a law-abiding citizen not follow that perfectly good example. So you brought up the issue of open carry versus concealed carry. Uh, in different parts of America, open carry is lawful and is not that uncommon. I remember years ago when I was in Arizona meeting with the governor and people were walking up to the governor open carrying, and, and I walked into a diner one night, and there were, I think, two or three people open carrying in the diner. Uh, in Virginia, we have open carry, and a number of people exercise that. And, of course, every concealed carry holder in Virginia who walks into an establishment that's licensed to serve alcohol is required by our statute to unconceal their gun. So if you're walking in to meet your family, your gun's concealed on the sidewalk outside as you walk into uh, Ruckers or wherever, you, know, you have to unconceal your gun by state law. So not only does Virginia allow open carry, 
Well, as you know, Ken, in different parts of America, open carry is legal, and in some places it's done fairly frequently. I've been in states like Arizona, where even without being the governor, I saw people carrying guns out in the open. We walked into a diner one night, and in a little small diner, there were two or three people carrying their guns openly. Uh, all the way through Virginia, where we have open carry that is legal uh, and often done in some parts of the state, not as often done in other parts. But we have an interesting quirk of the law in Virginia that says if you have a concealed handgun permit and you're carrying a concealed firearm, you're good to go. But the minute you go from walking across a parking lot into the Fuddruckers to meet your family, our state law actually requires you, if you have a concealed handgun, to stop and unconceal the gun. So in other words, as you're walking into the restaurant to meet your family, you're supposed to stop at the door and open your jacket or move your jacket or change your gun around or whatever so that your gun is now exposed because you have to carry it not concealed. In other words, you have to carry it openly when you walk into a premise that is licensed to serve alcohol. Irrespective of whether you drink or not, if you walk in there to meet your family, the law in Virginia is you're supposed to stop and expose the gun and carry it that way. Whenever a person carries a gun openly in a situation like that, they do have to take some other factors into consideration. If you're carrying your gun concealed, uh, chances are no bad guy's going to know you have it. They're not going to ever try to take your gun out of your holster because they won't know you have it. If you're carrying your gun openly, then you have to realize that there is a potential, small though it may be, because most of the time bad guys don't want to mess with armed good guys, but you do have to deal with the issue that there's the possibility that somebody may try to take the gun out of your holster. And then you start getting into the issue of do you want to have a security uh, retention type holster? Um, you know, Are you going to be aware of who's around you? Are you going to guard your gun in the holster, keep your elbow down up against it like a police officer is trained to do? Uh, and that can create some issues. So open carry is lawful in, in the state of Virginia, it's lawful in Arizona, it's, it's lawful in a lot of places in between there. In some cases, it makes a lot of sense to have the gun out in the open. But when you do carry it out in the open and you're in and among people in a, in a, in a confined or urban environment, you do have to realize that you've got a, now a, a new joker in the deck. And uh, you know if you're going to be having your gun out in the open and something happens, you get knocked down on the ground, you become the victim of a violent assault that catches you, you know, blindsided or what have you. Now you've got you know, another gun in the mix uh, that can make things, you know, become very, very unpredictable. So uh, I personally, as, as an individual, I'm more comfortable carrying my firearm concealed uh, than I am carrying it out in the open. But it is lawful to carry it out in the open, and a lot of people do that, particularly when they're driving their car because. They don't want to have the discomfort of having a dig in the back of their... <clears throat> For some of us whose bellies are getting a little bigger in the years, they don't like the gun pressing into the flash <laughs> or whatnot. Right. And they want the gun just to be you know, more comfortable and ready at hand. All right, man. I'm going to close it off with that. I appreciate you coming back on again. Anytime, Ken. Always happy to talk about guns, the Second Amendment, and self-defense. And this has been Ted with the Law Enforcement Alliance of America.
Well, I think we've gone on long enough. And uh, if you don't mind, I'm going to call it quits for tonight. And let me know what you think of this week's show. This was episode number 67. And whatever time you listen to it, you hear it, you can send me a comment 24-7 at blackmanwithagun at gmail.com. And if you would love or like to send me a comment, I would love to hear from you at 888-772-6262. Let me know what type of holster that you use. And I didn't get quite into techniques for carrying concealed. I'll save that one for next week. This is your friend and your brother from a different mother. Letting you know that you are appreciated. You are unique. God made you an original. Don't die a copy. If you just do you, we'll be okay. Thank you for standing up for your right to keep and bear arms. Thank you for believing in freedom. Thank you for being my friend. For all you urban shooters out there, peace. Black Urban Shooter. Then send Ken an email at blackmanwithagun at gmail.com. Do you want to support the show and start something new? You can become a member of the new Urban Shooter Association for $4 a month and keep the mission going strong. Look for the USA link on the website.